A question for you. Do you or a member of your team need to be trained on the new European medical device regulation? Then register to the Green Belt Certification Program. Multiple sessions are available. Check at easymedicaldevice.com GB. And don't forget to use the promo code POD2022 to get 10% discount. P-O-D-2022. Okay, talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and today we'll perform the March 2022 update. So on the hot topic, we'll start first with the IVDR. And first, we'll talk about the joint implementation and preparedness plan for a regulation, so 2017-746 for IVDR. Uh, and inside this document, which is um, a document that is explaining what are the challenges related to IVDR, we have some actions that are planned uh, for the implementation of the IVDR, action in terms of planning and action in terms of notified bodies, availability, actually there is for example, 19 notified bodies under IVDD and only six notified bodies under IVDR when we know that IVDR requires more notified bodies or more um, actions from notified bodies. Uh, we have also uh, anything related to the transitional period uh, that was discussed on the 2022-112 uh, uh, regulation and the high priority for all this on this document is talking about the um, designation of EU reference laboratories because you need that and we'll talk about that also with uh, later on the MDCG guidance uh, on the common specifications and we are also section just after for that guidances for notified bodies uh, we have the performance evaluation expert panel we have the harmonized standards that should be available the companion diagnostic and in-house devices so this document is addressing a lot of the challenges that the in vitro diagnostic regulation um, is, um, yeah, has for the moment and some actions that uh, the EU Commission should put in place for that. As we talked before, one of the challenges was about common specifications and there was a draft common specification that was issued, which is the common specification on a certain class D uh, in vitro diagnostic product. And for this draft, you have to provide an update or a feedback before uh, March 9th, 2022. So it's tomorrow when, we, when this podcast will be published, uh, it will be the, the, the next day. So uh, have a look, have a review, check and uh, provide your comments, your feedbacks. I think it's really important because this is mainly the law that you will have to follow for certain products. So this certain class D devices, which one they are there. So we have, for example, the markers for uh, HIV, the markers of uh, human T-cell, the markers of hepatitis, or the markers of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. There is more, but uh, this is many of the main ones. And each of them, you will see there is some specifications or requirements uh, to follow, where it says exactly how many samples you should have, what should be the acceptability criteria, etc. So, 
this document is key if you have those type of devices. So I really advise you to go and to look at it and check if you are impacted or not by it. And as I've said, you have until March 9th, 2022 to provide your feedback about it. So um, don't hesitate to go on the show notes and look at the, the, the link if you want to, to see the document. It's in two parts. You read the first part, which is more the general document, and the second part, which is specifically about the, the different annexes and then the different criteria for each of the products. Then I put on the show notes also the new, if I can say, expert panel uh, reviews or decisions. Um, a lot of them are related to uh, COVID-19, so um, SARS-CoV-2 um, detection uh, in human uh, plasma or serum. So yeah, there are a lot of them, but I, as I've said before and previous episodes also, uh, this kind of review can be really beneficial for you if you have those type of products, because then you know exactly what the previous company or this company has submitted and then you know also the type of questions that the expert panel was asking or, or telling specifically so we have a lot about uh, ivdr but um, i didn't find too much about mdr so yeah there is actually a lot of uh, ivdr products that are going through this uh, this expert panel in Spain, there is a new uh, application or uh, replaced application for the registration of responsible person or responsible companies for placing medical devices on the market. Uh, so this is the RPS and this is a new application or updated application uh, for registering manufacturers or authorized representative or person that are placing the devices on the market. And it is available now since the 15th of February 2022. So you have to go to the account, you create your RPS account, and then you can register information and you have also to update them. Um, the question I was asking myself on when I looked at that, first it's for Spain, Spanish only. Um, and the second is Udamed is normally, if I can say, the database that will be managing those kind of things, showing which manufacturers that are maybe located in Spain uh, will be um, placing devices on the market, or also which authorized representative that is located in Spain is also registered on the database, and products that they are covering also. So um, I don't know exactly if there is an additional functionality for this uh, application, but from what I see, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, um, Udamed is normally also a database that will be uh, doing that. So then it will be like two times registration with uh, one with uh, this application, one with the other. We have also the same phenomenon actually in, in uh, Germany uh, with the DMIDI uh, database where you have to register also there. Um, so I don't know exactly what will, if there is a transition for that or if they will disappear when Udamed will be uh, finally uh, there. But this is an application that you have to use if you are located in Spain and if you are doing that. So all the information are on the show notes for, for that also. In the UK, we have a pilot world leading approach to improve ethical adoption of AI in healthcare. So um, in the UK, we have actually a lot of campaigns like that. We discussed about that also before. And this one, this time is trying to fight biases that can have a potential impact on the health or harm of some population. So mainly you have some ethical population that um, they are not uh, impacted the same with certain diseases, but 
if for example you are a white person and you have a certain disease you may consider that the same situation will happen for uh, uh, African person or Asian person etc but it's not the same we don't have the same genes etc so the idea here is that we have also those information that are available within the artificial intelligence uh, healthcare uh, software or uh, devices so for that there will be an algorithmic impact assessment that will be done uh, by um, by the NHS uh, by in the UK, and we have, for example, uh, some uh, quotes made by some um, some mention made by uh, Birmi Balarma, which is the head of AI research and ethics at the NHS AI Lab, which said the algorithmic impact assessment will prompt developers to explore and address the legal, social, and ethical implications of their proposed AI systems as a condition of assessing NHS data. We anticipate that this will lead to improvements in AI systems and assure patients that their data is being used responsibly and for the public good. And also Octavia Reeve, which is the interim lead of Ada Lovelace Institute, said that algorithmic impact assessment have the potential to create greater accountability for the design and development of AI systems in healthcare, which can in turn build public trust in the use of these systems, mitigate risks of harm to people and groups, and maximize the potential for benefit. So if you are a medical device manufacturer that is having those kind of AI systems, don't forget those uh, biases that can exist and try to find uh, fight against them. So look at this article or this, um, this pilot study, that's pilot approach that is now started with the UK and see if you can also do the same thing. Okay, we finalized last week uh, the session for uh, the Greenbelt certification program for EUMDR. So we had a great training. I hope the participants liked it. Uh, so this month in March, we have two sessions that will be issued, one in French and one uh, in English. The one in French will be uh, from March 14th to 18th, and it will be done with uh, uh, with the collaboration of uh, LM Ein from ACR Medical, and we'll have the same elements that we have in the Green Belt, but all in French. So if you are a French person, French speaking, and or your team also is French speaking, don't hesitate to register on, on the show notes. And we have also the English session, which will happen the following week the week of the March 21st to the March 25th. Uh, and there you can also get all the information uh, about UMDR, but this time in English. And if you want to have more information about that, so you can go to e https uh, school.easymedicaldevice.com uh, where you can have all the list of the courses. You have also the mini course, which is free of charge. Uh, it's a, a six days email uh, that you will receive that will provide you all the information about UMDR step by step. The Green Belt is more a program where I am with you during the whole week where we are going through all the materials, we are discussing, we are providing you uh, some answers to your question, we are looking at some of your cases. So it's really a, a full week of uh, uh, where we look at that and you have to do some assignments, some quizzes, some exams, etc. So it's really a more heavy week than the one that we are doing with the mini course, but start with the mini course if you want, and then you can go to the green belt just after. 
Okay, what happened in the, what happens in the world? So we start with the USA, and we have a kind of a, if I can say historical uh, uh, historical discussion that is happening now in the USA. So since 20 years, the US is is using the QSR Quality System Regulation uh, 21 CFR Part 820, and now they are discussing about an amendment of this QSR to align or harmonize with the ISO 13485. They were having this discussion since many years now. They were having information saying that they will discuss or look at the ISO 13485 if they can um, be uh, similar to what uh, the US is doing. And now it's done or it's done. There is an amendment that is issued, a consultation that is open, and now you can also look at that. So what are the main differences between QSR and ISO 13485? When you look at the um, FDA page, there are there is a FAQ and this uh, question is asked there. And one of the main differences is mainly the risk management uh, consideration, where it's not the same in EU and in uh, I mean in ISO thirteen forty five and in QSR. Uh, in ISO thirteen forty five, the risk management is the basis of the ISO thirteen forty five. Within QSR, it's mainly um, part of the design phase of the product, but not really uh, about all those things. So this will be a, a change that they will be doing. One other question that was asked is if there is a change of the ISO thirteen forty five, uh, will there be a change of the QSR? Because it's not a replacement of the QSR by the ISO thirteen forty five. It will be an integration of the ISO thirteen forty five inside the QSR. So change of the QSR to adapt to uh, so that it's aligned to the ISO 13.5. So if we change the ISO 13.5, then the FDA is considering to review the change and then to um, make also a change of their QSR for that. So it's a good news that we have these alignments, more alignments, we have better it is. We had already a first step to this direction with the MDSAP because in the MDSAP you had also uh, the ISO 13.5 as a main standard plus all the different uh, rules made by each of the countries so USA, Brazil, Canada, Japan and Australia. Um, so now we have another step that is moved forward where we say that. So there is a public um, consultation or public advisory, co advisory committee uh, meeting that's happening March 2nd of 2022, so tomorrow. Um, so then, um, yeah, you have to uh, have some uh, registration there. So I will put also the link uh, inside, uh, inside the show notes. So Saudi Arabia, they have issued a guidance in innovation medical devices. So this reminds me a bit of what the USA has done with the uh, breakthrough device program. Here it's about detecting some innovative devices and then moving them to a specific uh, pathway. And here on the guidance, it's explaining to you what is an innovative devices, uh, devices with some kind of feature that are innovative in terms of technology, indication of use or performance, and also that there is some considerable clinical or medical advantage over an existing device. So if you are in this, um, in this uh, situation, then your products can go through this innovative medical device pathway uh, where it can help you to get uh, quicker on the market and help them the, the community. So go, uh, there is also an application form that is available on the guidance. So go to the application form, check if your products uh, is uh, considered as an innovative device, and then you can apply directly to the Saudi FDA where you can uh, then maybe have your product uh, on the market more quickly. Okay, this time we go to guidances. So this month we had uh, two MDCG guidance, both were for M notified bodies. So 
Um, notified bodies. Um, so some people may think that MDCG guidance are only for manufacturers to be guided. No, they are also for notified bodies. So here we have um, notified body guidances. The first one is the verification of manufactured class D IVDs by notified bodies. So as I told you before, uh, first the EU Commission has to uh, designate some EU reference laboratories and then the notified bodies will have to use those EU reference laboratories to test some of those class D devices and this is mainly the, the point of this uh, of this guidance here. So notified bodies should have a process in place and it's telling mainly how they should put that in place within this MDCG guidance. And you have the MDCG guidance 2022-4 and this one is more about um, how notified bodies have to make a surveillance of the legacy devices during this transition period. So you have to know that a notified body that is um, certified under MDD, uh, accredited under MDD, has to make a surveillance audit about their, uh, the products under MDD only if he is accredited. So if he's not anymore accredited, then he cannot do that. Then the manufacturer lost, if I can say, uh, the, the power about his uh, certificate for that. So then there is some process that are happening, but this is the way. So here it's telling many what notified bodies have to do for the surveillance of uh, medical devices under MDD during this transition period. Um, so this guide is really important that even a manufacturer reads. If you are, if you have a legacy device, if then you have some of those, of those surveillance audit made by those notified bodies, then it's maybe a good thing that you are looking at what they have to do, what criteria. For example, as a reminder again, in the article 120.3, it says that even if you are MDD, you have to update your quality management system to um, have the same requirements uh, inside your quality management system as what is written for the vigilance, PMS, market surveillance, and registration of economic operators. I have some of my customers that got a major non-conformance from their notified body because they haven't made that. And this is mainly the reason why I'm telling you that be careful, even if you are MDD, these procedures should be updated following the MDR. So it's really important. But this is also what is written inside uh, this uh, MDCG guidance. Okay, Ireland guidance now. And the Ireland guidance issued a guidance for medical device classification. And um, I thought for me it was maybe a copy paste of the MDCG guidance about that, but no. What they are telling inside is uh, something that is new for me, um, where they are saying if you have an issue to classify your device so you can contact us and we can classify that for you or provide you our uh, our kind of classification for it so normally for example when you have a conflict with your notified body about the classification of a device you have to follow article 51 of the umdr but here they say before even you submit to your notified body you can send us an application form with the information and you pay a fee and then from there we can tell you uh, what is the classification of your device. So I think it's a good compromise or good uh, strategy here because we have a lot of products 
that are really difficult to classify or there is so many, if I can say, parameters that it's really difficult for defining if this is a class 1, 2A, 2B or 3. Um, so I think this can be helpful for you if you have really some difficulty or some question about classification. This is an option. You can still use a consultant that is really an expert for that, but you can also go to the Irish HPRA uh, for that. And I put all the links in the show notes. There is a link for the guidance and there is a link also of the application form that you can use uh, use for that. But uh, yeah, if you are already having this uh, conflict with the notified body, then look at Article 51 of the EUMDR where it tells you exactly what you should do. Okay, we arrived at the end of this episode and we have now uh, to just talk about the last podcast episodes. So we have the first podcast episode, which is episode 166, uh, where we talked with Alexandro Savidis about the uh, DHF, so design history file. So why is this so important? So a design history file is mainly the file that is telling notified bodies or uh, regulators how you designed your product. So from the user needs, design inputs, design outputs, testing, etc. All the things that you have done for that should be written inside this design story file. So we tell you more on this episode with Alexandro Savidis. Then episode 167, how to be a great, uh, how to, uh, to have a great uh, management review. Uh, so the management review is a component of the ISO 13485. It is kind of a meeting where you are reviewing and you are assessing if your quality management system is good, if you have enough resources, etc. So it's like a, a, a check point where you are checking if your quality management system is okay or not. And I tell you on this episode how to do that, what are the inputs, what are the outputs, what are the documents, etc. that you have to create for that. So don't hesitate to go there. And if you have some question, if you want also some support for the helping you to create your first management review maybe so don't hesitate to contact us also at info at easymedicaldevice.com and the last episode episode 168 um, why would you need a swiss authorized representative so it's been now many months that the swiss authorized representative is needed for um, some medical devices in december uh, their 31st the class one devices has now to appoint a swiss authorized representative if you are located in Europe and if you have already a Swiss uh, an, uh, EU authorized representative, uh, for um, class 2A to B, it will be by March 31st, 2022. And for class uh, 1, it will be by, uh, sorry, class 1, uh, class 3, it will be December 31st. Uh, class 2A to B, it is uh, March 31st. And class 1, it is July 31st. So you have at those dates to appoint your. Um, your um, EU, uh, your Swiss authorized representative, and also to have an importer. So the importer should have that even before, as soon as you place your device on the market, the importer should be there. But yeah, if you want to know more, because maybe it's confusing what I've said now, if you want to know more, go to the episode 168, and I will tell you everything about that. And there is also the links about uh, anything that is mentioned inside the Swiss Medic uh, website for that. Okay, so following what we, I just said about uh, Swiss representatives, so Easy Medical Device is also offering this service of Swiss authorized representative, Swiss importer, also about EU authorized representative, EU importer, and about UK responsible person uh, if you are going to the UK. So if you need anything, any of those services, don't hesitate to send us an email at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info, I-N-F-O, at easymedicaldevice.com. We'll be really happy to help you. And yeah, this is something that is anyone needed, so don't hesitate to contact us.
Okay, it was really a pleasure uh, to have you uh, on this uh, on this uh, podcast. I hope you liked it. I hope the content you appreciate the content. It's a lot of effort also to create all that, so I hope yeah, it's something that is really helpful for you. So don't hesitate also to go on the uh, show notes or on the YouTube video to just put a like or a comment uh, that you liked it maybe, uh, so that I can see if uh, those efforts are really making some sense here. Okay, so thank you very much, and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.